Hi, I'm Sally Farrant, and this is the Pricing Queen podcast. The podcast is here to help you get clear on your pricing and profit and start making more money in your business. I've got a track record for helping companies get their heads around their business numbers. And now I'm here to show you how to start earning the money you deserve and become a pricing queen yourself. If you love this episode, please do rate and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And do follow me on Instagram, which is at the pricing queen. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to the show. On today's show, I'm interviewing Geraldine Carter. So Geraldine is the owner of SheThinksBigCoaching.com and she uh, does strategy for accountants and what she would call chartered accountants, what they call CPAs in the US. And it's a fascinating conversation about how to stop hourly billing and how to move to flat rate pricing. Hello and welcome to the show. Today on the show, I have got Geraldine Carter. Geraldine, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Sally. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a coach and engineer by background, and now I work with CPAs, which in the UK for your listeners is chartered accountants, and I help them with business strategy to grow their accounting firms, which typically includes pricing better and focusing on value and results and positioning and stop being a generalist for all people. So those are, my clients are all accountants and CPAs and we help them go from way overworked and underpaid to nicely compensated with a regular sane work week. Yes. So although most of you listening, probably not accountants, Mm -hmm. we're, I'm obviously an accountant, but for those of you that are not, this applies everywhere. This is not just true of accountants, all of this stuff. Because I think it applies to almost every entrepreneur as they start out. Yes, pricing is universal, and the better you get at it, the easier your business becomes. Yeah, and we and everybody can get better at pricing all the time. It's mm-hmm. not it's not one and done. So. Right. <laughs> but you're not an accountant at all. I'm not an accountant. I'm not an accountant at all. I I come from an engineering background. I was an engineer for a hot minute. It was not for me. I had, <laughs> I actually um, had a little bit of a journey through my twenties with as a tour guide for a high-end travel company, and I went all around the world. I've been to fifty countries, all seven continents, and it was the best job in the world. And then when I moved back to the U.S., I started a business with a friend. Sort of fell into the finance role because I have the numbers background, and very soon after, we were running a million dollars, and my CPA and accountant were of they they did their jobs but they weren't getting me they weren't helping me get what i needed in terms of being able to forecast and understand my financials and what we needed to predict where our business was going and how much we could afford to hire and all the rest so that was that's how i came to understand if you will the back the the accounting and and tax side and then when i exited that company I started coaching and helping friends with their businesses. And then a CPA came to me and said, can you help me with my business? And I kind of scratched my head thinking, don't you know all about business? You touch businesses all day. Um, But the reality is that accountants and CPAs, you call them chartered accountants, are business owners just like everybody else. And a lot of us don't get business strategy schooling the way we need to. And we launch our businesses, we hang our shingle, and we do our craft 
but we don't know how to run the business of our craft. And that's where a lot of us get frustrated as business owners is we think, gosh, this should be so much easier. I'm really good at what I do, but I'm working my tail off and I'm just not bringing in the money that I think I should be for how much I'm working. And I'm really starting to resent what I do because it's taken over my life. And where pricing comes in is if you can learn how to price effectively, then all of a sudden it frees everything up. It's like the the log jam or the ice jam that's preventing everything from going through. So when you can learn how to price, you can it it really makes a difference in just how much easier your business gets and how much better your customers behave. Yes, because always the cheapest customers are always the worst ones. Tends to be. You can pretty much guarantee they're paying the least. Yes. They're going to be the most yes. demanding. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so how do you move? So I guess there's two aspects. One is how do you move existing clients from being on hourly billing and hourly rates? But also how do you then, if you move to fixed pricing, how do you then prevent kind of what I would call scope creep, which is where, you know, projects just become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you know you've you've said it's a fixed price and now you're like oh, I can't I can't make that work at that price. Yeah. So two questions in there so let's unpack them. The first one is how do you take existing clients who are on hourly and move them to something fixed? And the answer is to start with something that you do again and again and again and again and you're really familiar with the scope and it tends to have a finite scope. Now, granted, there will be a little bit of fuzziness at the edges, but you have a pretty good sense that it typically takes between eight and 10 hours. If you can put a, an amount of hours on it, plus or minus, you know, 10%, it's going to take between, it's probably going to take 40 hours, but maybe it'll take 36, maybe it'll take 44. Okay. Now you do actually know how long it's going to take. You know, it's not going to take you a thousand hours. So find that thing that you do again and again, that has a pretty a pretty predictable length of time and put a price on that. So, and look at how much you would typically bill your customer for that thing. And then, you know, if you're brand new at this, just take the average so that you've got, okay, this thing that I do, maybe it's, um, maybe I'm a photographer and I take headshots and I know that a headshot series is going to take two hours plus an hour of setup and takedown. Plus I've got to go edit the shots afterwards. I've got to you know, put them all in a zip file and get them over to my client. I know that I can do that, generally speaking, soup to nuts in a maximum of six hours. And I know that I typically charge my clients hundred bucks an hour. So six, I'm just doing easy math here. So 600 bucks. Okay. Going forward for new clients, it's going to be 950, right? And you just bump up the price and you put a flat rate on it and you say, this is what it's going to be. And then for existing clients, if they want another, let's just say, head, set of headshots, you say, okay, you know, in the past, I've done it like this, where I've just billed you hourly, but it turns out that it's a pr- like it's pretty close to the same amount of time every time. And on average, I've been billing you X per month. So let's just stick with X per month and go with, and go with that for now. And then in six months, we'll see where we are, right? So you've given yourself You've done the average and then you've given yourself a sort of back door in six months. If it's like gone completely crazy, you now have a safety valve. And then once you have set the fixed price, you set about getting more efficient, right? You look for opportunities to systematize, to batch your work, to delegate pieces of it if you can to maybe a VA or an assistant. And you look for all the ways that you could optimize it so that you can get faster at it. 
And when you set the fixed price, now suddenly your incentive is to get faster rather than to let it dribble. And now you're looking for ways to basically improve your margins on the same kind of work. So now the question becomes, so that's for existing clients. And I threw in their new clients, right? Mm -hmm. You've bumped up the price by 30% and you see, you test it and you see what your conversion rate is. If your conversion rate goes to zero, maybe you've gone a little too far, but if you are still converting clients, then you're in a good spot. So with the fixed rate, how do you, I think your question was, how do you handle scope creep, right? Mm -hmm. And the people who need everything. And you addressed this at the top when you said, basically, the people who pay the least tend to want the most. So one of, you've got a couple of challenges in here that you need to overcome. And one of them is your needy clients. Now, your needy clients is not a pricing problem. That's a client problem, right? So you don't want to throw the pricing theory out with the the bad client yes. bathwater. Yes. Okay. The problem there is the needy client. What you want to do is work to get rid of that. Well, first, what you want to do is get them into a pricing situation where they may become a good client. If you go through that process and they're still a bad client, then you want to um, disengage the client. But let's come back to how do you handle scope creep? So coming back to the idea of a productized service where you have a set thing, that you do again and again, you understand the scope, you clearly define the scope. And this is where it's up to you as the professional to define the scope and say, this is what's included in what you're buying. And this is what is not included in what you're buying. And as the professional, it is your job to hold the boundaries. And when you notice your client pushing over the boundaries, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, because they don't know, or it's accidental, or they haven't memorized what's inside your scope and what's outside your scope. You just friendlyly, friendlyly remind them that, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're not doing. But if you want to do these other things that are outside scope, you can bump up into the next level of service and you give them a choice and they'll either bump up into the next level of service or they'll, they'll, th- they'll say, oh, right. Thank you for the reminder. And they'll stay put where they are. So those are some ways that you can begin to get yourself out of the trap that is hourly billing. And if you stay in hourly billing, it will trap you in an endless cycle of working like a dog for less revenue than you deserve to make. And it gets worse over time as you get better and quicker at things. And I think it also makes it much harder to outsource and all of that sort of thing, because you're constantly thinking about what you are making off the bottom because you're doing all the work. Whereas if you can mm-hmm. start thinking about actually, well, uh, if I outsource that bit and that bit, I can take the bit off the top, but I can take on somebody else over here. Um, exactly. And that makes a big difference. And what about when you're trying to quote for something, something new, a new client, something new? So it's not part of your standardized process. They've asked you to do something. You're like, yeah, I can do that. And then you start to quote them and you have no idea kind of how long it's going to take. I mean, like you say, you know, it's not going to take a thousand hours, but Mm -hmm. you probably there can be quite a wide variety in how much, you know, you think it's going to be. How would you recommend kind of going about that? Okay. So the first thing I would do is make sure that the business owner has gone far enough upstream and that they're well positioned meaning that they have a clear place in the market, what they do and who they do it for. So they're not doing everything that's all over the map for all kinds of people. The more you are positioned, the more tightly you are positioned in 
your segment of the marketplace, the more predictable your workload becomes. And so it preempts that problem even coming in the door or reduces it when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want this thing. And you have no idea how long it's going to get you, how long it's going to take you to help them get the thing. So the more you're positioned, the better you will understand what it takes to deliver the results that your clients are requesting. So then come to your question, how do you price thing X? Are we talking giant project? And if we are, then we should talk about value pricing. But if we're talking about anything less than $10,000, we should talk about flat rate pricing. So what's for your listeners to make it helpful for them, how large of a, in air quotes, thing are we talking about? Yeah, less than $10,000 mostly, I would say. Okay. So if it's less than... $10,000. Here's what I would say. Value pricing, where you ask, where you engage the prospect in, you know, what is this worth to you? Why do you want it now? Why is it important? What are the outcomes going to be? Like all that stuff is emotionally intensive. It's time intensive. So uh, to make it worth it, you want the project to be over $10,000. If it's under $10,000, you're better off just flat rating what you're doing and getting in and productizing your services as much as you can. And then when you have the one-off thing, you can say, well, okay, that sounds like about $5,000 or something. But to get a more specific, to get to more of the heart of the problem, what people who bill by the hour tend to do when a prospect comes to them and says, hey, can you do this thing for me? The seller who's billing by the hour says, okay, I don't know how long that's going to take. So why don't I just get started? And the seller gets started doing the work with no sense of what the bill is going to be for the client. And that puts the client in a really awkward position of potentially spending more for a thing than it would have been worth to them. Mm-hmm. It's like when you have a clutch in your car that goes out and you have a beater that's only worth you know $1,000 and the mechanic is like, all right, I'll replace your clutch. And then it's, I don't know how long it's going to take, but the bill is $2,000. And you say to yourself, well, $2,000, I would have just bought another beater. Right, so you put your client in a in a really tough position if you bill them more than it was worth, where they then have to choose between protecting themselves and their wallet, or paying you because they asked you to do the work, but they're not the expert and they didn't know how long it was going to take you. So, what you need to do as the seller is when the buyer, the prospect, comes to you and says, "Hey, can you do this thing for me?" and you don't know how long it's going to take rather than have the knee-jerk response, which is, sure, let me get started. Instead, what you need to do is understand what exactly it is that they're trying to create and get a sense and keep asking questions until you really understand what is going to be required on your side to actually deliver the result that they're looking for. And what that'll help you do is understand, have a better understanding, not down to the hour, but, you know, plus or minus a few hours, what it's, how long it's going to take you. And then figure out what you want to get to do the project. Like what's the minimum you're willing to um, get paid, compensated for doing the work. And then quote them a price that's above that. And if they say no, they say no. But now at least you're in integrity where you've given your prospect a chance to decide whether or not it's worth it to them to have the thing that they want for the price that you're offering. 
And if they say yes, now you're in a place where you're both going to be profitable in that your buyer gets what they want for less than they for less than they would have paid and you do the work for more than your sort of minimum floor. So the bottom line here is slow the conversation down at the outset to understand what is going to be asked of you or what you're going to need to contribute before you simply say yes and get started working. Because if you don't, you're going to end up three months down the road or a month down the road or a week down the road with an unhappy client who's paying more than they wanted to. Yeah. And I think totally, I kind of think actually I've taken on clients where you're kind of like, oh yeah, it's fine. I can do your account, you know, um, accountant, I can do your accounts for you. And suddenly the, it's much more complicated than you expected. Mm -hmm. It's all, it kind of mushrooms into something enormous and you're like, hang on a minute. I kind of, (laughs) oh, I'm charging you like, 300 quid a month. This is not, this is not what I thought this was going to be. But I haven't haven't asked enough questions in the first place. I haven't also, I think as well, one of the things I've learned is you've got to understand what the, what the things that make it more time. Mm -hmm. Is it that they have more bank accounts? Is it that they have, Mm -hmm. you know, certain number of size of business? Is it the size of business? Is it number of employees? Um, And I think that's true of all businesses. Like, what are the things that make it more complicated and more work for you as well? Yes. So, and what you can do with that for people who are thinking to themselves, well, I'm not going to bill for that discovery time. You know, like I'm losing, you know, I'm going to have a free call with them. It's going to last 45 minutes, or I need to look inside their systems. If you're in the sort of tech or software space to see how many apps and zaps they have plugged in, you can do an assessment where it's you have a sort of standardized, if you will, intake process where you say to the client, hey, look, this sounds interesting. I might be able to help you. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver or put either of us in a situation where it's much more complicated than either one of us realized. So if we are serious about moving forward, what we ought to do, and you're the expert, you've got to take the steering wheel. What we ought to do is you send me your stuff, give me access so I can see under the hood what's going on so I can understand what in fact we're talking about here. And then you take the time that you need to understand the situation that you're about to get yourself into, right? This is not accidental. You are not a victim. You are going to get yourself into this situation by choice. So you need to look at it and understand if you want to choose to go into this situation. Because like you say, you don't want to get into the into the situation where you're charging 300 quid and it's way more complicated than you ever would have guessed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, being, I've just, I've just written down that I need to have a standard questionnaire of things that I need to know. I mean, I tend to ask the same things, but actually having something that you can sit on a call and, and, and talk about, and then you build, presumably build that discovery time into your billing when it comes to, if it generally takes you two or three hours to, to deal with prospects. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know they don't all convert, but yeah, yeah. And so you may eat a little bit of time in that process, but in the long run, you will save yourself so much time and heartache by not accidentally taking on clients whose I whose scope is much larger, you know, four times bigger than you thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think I think it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, I've got client. You know, yeah, particularly, particularly if you're if you're not booked out or you're coming to the end yes. of a client contract and you're starting to worry yes. a bit about work. I think it's really tempting to just go, yeah, I'll take something, and then you're like, oh, hang on a minute, 
haven't really thought this through all and also I think it it also pushes the client to think through yeah because I think it's really tempting to say well they say well I just want some help with my accounts and you're like right okay but what actually do you want to you know they haven't really they're like well I just I just want to understand my numbers it's like well but what do you what do you actually want doing do you want bookkeeping do you need forecasting do you need year-end accounts what are you actually wanting to do and I think often when you force people to think about it it also pushes the client to be a bit more kind of concise and clear about what they want yeah and how much they're willing to pay for the different options that they have and you bring up a great point which is you know that the client doesn't know your tools of your trade right so let's just say if you are a photographer and you offer, you know, digital, digital photography, or do you want black and whites? Do you want color? Do you want your photos edited? Do you want them touched up? Do you want them organized? Do you want them filtered out? Like, how far are you willing to go here if what if we're trying to create a photo album of, you know, your baby's first year? And you can, and your client is not going to be an expert. And if that's what they want, they're probably a mom who's really tired and hasn't had time to think through what she wants, right? So as the expert, you help your client think through what they actually need without having to become an expert on your tools of your own trade. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's so important that kind of, it's kind of go, well, you can have these options rather than kind of, I think we all expect our clients to sort of understand what they're looking for. And I think (laughs) actually they don't really know. They just kind of, well, I just need some help. And you're like, well, like, yeah, and it's kind of really stepping back and saying, actually, I need help with this. And you kind of going, like you say, it's kind of not letting the client dictate it, actually, and kind of going, this is what I offer. Is this what you actually want to have? And what are you prepared to pay for it? And like you say, being prepared to walk away. Be prepared to walk away. And do not let your client dictate to you what you ought to be doing. That is a surefire recipe for you feeling like you are a servant and a doormat for them. And then they call you at, you know, 10 o'clock at night and say, I need this thing by tomorrow. And you being in a position, you know, you put yourself in a super tough spot when you, um, when you allow yourself to be dictated to, and it's important to have your sniffers sniffing for that stuff right at the outset. There is one other thing in here that I want to tug on, and that is you as the expert guiding your client is enormously valuable to them because we're both saying here that your client is not the expert in what you do. And you having, when you're the expert and you say, look, here's how this is going to play out, just providing the guidance and the container for them to understand what they're even asking you for is enormously helpful. They're coming to you because, you know, you said that they don't understand. I would take it a step further. And sometimes like they don't have a clue. They're good people. They're smart, but they really don't have a clue. And that's why they're coming to you. So part of your role is to help them understand the landscape of what they're dealing with so they can figure out where they are in the realm of available and possible services. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's also kind of going, well, actually the sort of often the sort of service they want may not be the sort of thing that actually they can afford or they or that you're prepared to offer and that, that that's okay too and you might be able to point them somewhere else or you might be able to say well actually you need to kind of when you can afford a bit more come back but I think it is it's kind of holding your ground as the expert and I think a lot of particularly new freelancers don't like to think that they are kind of the expert and it's like but you know more than they do whatever you know you know more than they do otherwise they're not having a conversation with you. 
Yeah. And I love that you bring up, you know, being the expert. There's a wonderful book written by David C. Baker on the business of expertise. And this is such a great path for divorcing your time from hourly work when you become an expert at what you do and you're well known for it, you're sought after, you're the you're one of very few if not the only available options. The fewer options there are f- to hire an expert, the more you can increase your prices because where else are they going to go? Now, some people may hear that and go, well that's extortion. And but people have an option to not purchase from you. Your service is very likely not to be absolutely required. So if so the incentive for you as the professional is to become an increasingly deep expert in what you do so that you can continue to raise your rates, you continue to offer more ever-increasing amounts of value, and the more you offer value quickly, because people don't want two years for their problem to be solved, they want it solved as fast as possible. Hourly billing is a disincentive for solving it as fast as possible. You chew through the client, you've got to go find another one. But when you divorce your time from your rates and your fees and you pursue expertise, then you can get better and better and faster and faster and faster at solving people's problems and your rates continue to increase. And that's how you get your time back. And that's the whole thing about niching and being coming an expert. You know, you and I much more in the pricing world. You know, I'm an accountant by background, but my my niche is very much pricing. There aren't tons of people. There are a few of us. But there's mm-hmm. not there's not nearly as many as there are accountants, um, mm-hmm. and you're an expert in accountants, you know, dealing with accounting strategy, and I think, or for accountants, and I think that kind of the more you can niche, I think it's terrifying to niche because I think mm-hmm. everybody thinks that by being a generalist, yes, and, and that's definitely true with accountants that being a generalist is great, but actually, mm-hmm. if you have specific expertise in certain sectors, or in certain, you know, or that you've you know you've niched down in, in your area then I think it makes a massive difference. Yeah, let me give you, do we have time for me to give you an example or two just to give your listeners a scope of a sense of what we're talking about and get it out of the theory and get it into the real world? So I have one client who came to me, she's a CPA. She loves doing tax strategy for employees of startups who are about to have an IPO. The company's going to go public. The employee is about to receive a giant windfall of cash, more than they've ever seen in their lifetime, and they have no idea what the tax implications are. And she loves being able to forecast scenarios. And of course, there are stock prices that are going to go up and down. And when you exercise or sell your stocks, you know it has impacts for how much you're going to pay and what the risk and the probability and the gamble and all the rest. And she was billing this out when we started working together at something like, I don't know, 150 an hour. And it takes her about 10 hours to run a projection for a single person. But the value of the projection now, so we've been working together for about 18 months and she has been able to save her clients 250, 500,000, a million dollars in taxes, right? A million dollars in taxes. And she would have billed that out at like $780, right? You get the mismatch. But she, we productized the service. We said, here's what you get. You get the projection. You get a couple of meetings. You know, you're going to get this and this and this for support, but it's in this container. And she knows that it's going to take a maximum of 10 hours. Sometimes it bleeds over into 12. But whatever, we priced it at, at 2500 And then once, and she was like, <gasps> took her breath away. And then after six months, she was converting really well. So we bumped them up to 5000 
And then we bumped them up to 7,500. And then we pushed it up to 10 and the spigot dried up. And we're like, okay, that's where the top is, right? So now we've dropped it back down to 9,500 and the spigot's flowing again. But mind you, she would have billed this out at seven or $800. And now mm-hmm. she's pricing it at $9,500. So that's one example of the flat rate productizing your service. So uh, productizing your service is just how powerful that is. And then in terms of positioning, I have another client who's a CPA for farmers and same deal, you know, pricing at 150 an hour, saving farmers half a million dollars in taxes and billing like three grand or something. So we've productized her services and there, she offers tiers and tiers are very helpful for giving your clients options. And now her clients that she would have billed between three and $10,000 for work for now come in at between 60 and $90,000 a year. And some of them pay her in full upfront for the year, right? Because she offers a 10% discount for in full upfront. She loves the cash flow in January when usually things are really dry for CPAs because tax season hasn't come around yet. So that, um, that smooths out, her, that kind of covers her wintertime cash flow trough, if you will. And having positioned herself as an expert in the farmer in the farming space, she now offers a productized service that is just expertise, all in air quotes, all. All she does is review your taxes and your whole situation and tell you the changes that you need to make without taking the client on as an accounting and tax client. You can stick with your CPA in the Northeast part of the country. She's in the Southwest, right? And there are high switching costs to switching accounts and um, CPAs. So she simply, she has a package that simply provides expertise, no hands-on work. And it's anywhere, depending, she has uh, two versions of it. One of them is $5,000, one of them is $30,000 that she previously would have billed hourly, you know, and maybe made 450 bucks. So when this is the power, this is why I wanted to get out of the theory and give you, give your listeners some actual numbers, because the power of pricing is that you can probably five X, you can five X your rates, if not 10, once you get good at it. So I wanted to give you guys, I wanted to give your listeners numbers so that they could go, Oh yeah, I want some of that. Rather than yeah. just the theory of like, oh, that sounds pleasant, but let me stick with what I know. And I think a lot of my, you know, a lot of my listeners are not going to be charging 10 grand for their thing. They're going to be charging 450 and it's kind of looking at it and going, actually, I should mm-hmm. be, you know, I should really be charging more. And I think it is kind of, there's that other thing of you kind of go, well, actually, where do I move my price to? And in the end, you just keep moving it until, like you say, yes. until somebody goes, well, I'm sorry, until you stop converting. And then you go, okay, right. right, well, it needs to come back a bit. And how far does it need to come back? It might not need to come yeah. all the way back to where Mm -hmm. you were before but it just a bit like you said came back from 10 to nine and a half oh okay actually that's not quite you know that's it's not all the way back to seven and a half right yeah you test you go up and up and up until you find the upper limit and you go okay that's where the upper limit is now I'll come back down just a hair until and you come back down just a hair until your conversion rates are where you want them to be Mm. if you're converting over 80 percent your prices are too low if you're can and then you come back down based on you know how many how many clients you need to have at what prices in order to make the living that you need to make. Yeah, this has been brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been really really useful. And tell people where they can find you um, and where they can get access to a freebie and stuff like that. Sure. And this has been great, Sally. Thank you for having me on. I always love talking about pricing. And if people want to find me, my website is shethinksbigcoaching.com. And the thing that I have for listeners is 
a scorecard where you can rate the quality of your thinking and how well you think about the challenges in your business. It's called the $10,000 an hour CPA scorecard, but it applies to any business owner. And your listeners can find that at shethinksbigcoaching.com forward slash queen. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you ever so much. It's been lovely to meet you. And, uh, and I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you, Sally. It's been great to be with you. I hope you enjoyed today's show with Geraldine. She was a really interesting guest. Please do subscribe, like, download, follow, whatever it is with you, that you do these days with your uh, podcast platform and share it with your friends um, so that more people can hear about my podcast. If you want to know more about value-based pricing, which Geraldine and I sort of touched on, um, then go back to my episode with Jonathan Stark uh, in season one of the podcast, and that will tell you more about what to do with bidical projects. But I hope that what Geraldine has shown you is that you can go from charging four, five, six, seven hundred pounds a day or a project to five times, ten times in that. Um, so I want you to let me know what you have done to do that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pricing Queen podcast. If you did, please do leave a review and five-star reviews are obviously my favorite um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And as it helps me to get much better coverage for this podcast and gets more people to hear about the tips and things that I share. If you want to follow me, the best place to find me is on Instagram at The Pricing Queen. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.